0: Today we're continuing our series. We've called Jesus Strong, and uh, it re- reminded me. This series reminded me of a time when I was in college. I was out playing tennis with some uh, friends, and we were out kind of hitting the ball around. And they said, "Hey, uh, th- uh, there's a guy named Randy that worked for the school. He was weed eating. They said, hey, why don't you why don't you see if Randy will come over? And, you know, hit a couple tennis balls with you.' And I was thinking, Randy, I mean, he's in his blue jeans." and shoes and he's out with a weed eater strapped around him and and i thought randy randy can't be good at tennis randy was a punk rocker from the 80s that got saved out of like heavy metal drug scene and felt called to come to college i thought i don't even know if randy knows how to hold a tennis racket like why would i Now, i was never good at tennis but i could at least stay on the court and i thought randy i don't even know if randy knows how to play tennis why would i they said just ask him so he's weed eating. I can't wait. I say, hey man, you wanna come hit a few tennis balls? He's like, yeah, okay. He's a real quiet guy. He didn't say much. And so he came over, and, and I'm you know I I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, hit me a shot. And he just roasted one over so fast. I swung at it and missed, and it was in bounds. And and I went, hey man, hey, I, you know, clearly I wasn't ready, right? I mean, I wasn't ready. I mean, I wasn't even standing properly. I mean, give me a chance, Randy. So then I said, okay, okay, let's go again. So I hit another one. So he hit another one, and I got my racket on it. But it had so much fire on it, when I returned it, it went over his head and over the two-story fence and out into the field, the soccer field in the, in the, in the college campus. And I thought, okay, <laughs> Randy, you, all right, listen, I, I, I'll, I'll pull it down. Give me one more. So uh, look, he shot another ball at me. And I mean, I've played tennis some. I've played a lot, but I've never seen what he did to me. Here's what he did to me: He hit the ball so hard it dropped in the back corner, in bounds, in the in the inbound square, and that's the only time it hit the ground. The next time it hit anything, it hit the chain link fence behind me and stuck in it, stuck in the fence. And, and I swung for the, you know, I swung and, bow and I missed. And that ball went, boop, and, went, and then I heard, and I turned around and I thought, what in the world is this guy doing to me? And I happened to look over at my friends, and they're pointing at me and laughing. <laughs> you ever get the feeling everybody knows something that you don't know? Yeah? Well, I, I, well as they're laughing at me, I said, guys, what, like, what, what are we, what's going on? How's Randy out here in his blue jeans You know, drug head Randy out here, hard rock Randy, how's he doing this? And they said, oh, we didn't tell you. Don't you love that? We didn't tell you. Randy was the high school Alabama State tennis champion before he came to college. And can I just tell you, I never played tennis with Randy ever again. (laughs) Because he was playing tennis and I was just chasing the balls. That's what happened. I didn't actually ever get to play with him. So here's, here's what I know, though. He was the man... And I was not the man. But there's something that we all admire about strength, isn't it? None of us want to be weak. We want to be strong. But God has a plan to make you strong, but not strong like the culture defines it. Strong like Jesus in this series. We've just called it Jesus Strong. So uh, Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure. Look at this phrase. This phrase, we're going to see this again in another scripture uh, in a few minutes. The measure of the fullness of Christ. What does Jesus strong mean? It means that Jesus, that God the Father wants to put... The life of Christ in you. The fullness of God means that the life of Jesus has intertwined in your life, has filled your life with his life. He wants to make you Jesus strong. And so in this series, we've seen how God will either use or make us Jesus strong. We said strong in community, strong in God. Last week, strong in impact. This morning, I want to share with you strong in love. So... um. Most every religion in the world focuses on good works or self-improvement or duty. And there's one word that separates Christianity from every other religion on earth. It is the word love. Because Christianity is a religion of love, you can't even explain Christianity without the word love. I want to show you, we'll sort of do a Bible study this morning. I want to show you several scriptures if you're writing these down. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, you probably already know this one. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? It's love. 1 John three fourteen. We know that we've passed from life, life to death. Have you ever wondered, how do I know that I'm a Christian? How do I know for sure that I'm saved? Well, 1 John three fourteen tells you. We know that we have passed from death to life. How do we know? Because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. The proof that you're a Christian is that you have love and that you give love. Colossians 3, 14, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Love is the... Is the rope, love love is the cord, love is the framework by which all the other virtues are housed. They all are unified together. The true test of your spiritual growth is the depth of your love. So let me ask you a question this morning Is your love growing or is your love shrinking? That's all you need to know to know how good you're doing in your faith. That's the only test that's required. Is your love growing or is your love shrinking? That answer will tell you, the answer to that question will tell you everything you need to know about your relationship with God. God's given us one thermometer to check our temperature it's love. You can't have a loveless Christian, it's it's contradictory. See, love is the test, love is the standard, love is the message, love is the motive, and love is the method. Love is also the effect that God has on people. What God does is God God takes hateful people and he makes them loving. God takes people filled with fear and he presses his love on them and sets them at peace. But what God does is love is his effect on us. The closer we get to him, the more loving we become. Now, if we're going to talk about it this morning, we have to define what, what is love exactly? So let me just give you my definition of love. Love is an action with no conditions. In other words, love says, I'm going to do this action of love toward you, and it doesn't matter what you do. There's no prerequisite. You don't have to measure up. You don't, you don't have to arrive. You don't have to achieve. You don't have to perform. An act of love is an act toward you with no condition, with no prerequisite, and with no expectation of anything in return. I'm just going to show you, just give you this act of love. So love isn't love without action. We know this from the most well-known verse in the entire Bible. God so loved the world that he did nothing. How does that feel? It doesn't feel like love, does it? God so loved the world that he gave, he acted, he showed, he expressed he, he poured out, it translated somehow into an action toward us. God's love is understood and experienced in the unbelievable gift of His Son that He gave. Now imagine, imagine if Jesus had never been born. Imagine if Jesus had never been born and there, were no, there was no teaching and there were no miracles and there's no death and there's no resurrection and Jesus would have never left for heaven because he would have never came in the first place and he'd have never sent the Holy Spirit because he'd have never gone to heaven and let's pretend that the Bible only had one verse in it and the verse said, God loves you. It would be no more than a glorified fortune cookie because it would mean nothing because there'd be no action with it. There'd be no expression to it. It'd be like a parent that looks at their child and says, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, but they neglect them and they abandon them, and they're not there for them. They say, where were you? And when I struggled, I called you and you weren't there. You didn't help me when I asked for help. That's what it would feel like, a child that's been neglected, a child that's been abandoned. You can say you love all you want, but if you don't express that love somehow... It doesn't seem true. There is no such thing as actionless love. Jesus was strong in love because he showed it. Look at 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. You want to know what love is? This is how we know. That's what this verse says. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He didn't say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Jesus explained love through his action. And that's how the Bible tells us we even know what love is. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Jesus Strong is being full of the same kind of love that caused Jesus to lay down his life for us. I happened to catch a a fun Facebook post this week that said something like, you know, if you had millions of dollars and could do anything you wanted to do, you know, what would you do? And it was interesting. Uh, all of the posts sounded something like this I'd buy a private island, <laughs> right? I'd build walls around it. <laughs> you could only get there by boat or helicopter, you know. I, I, in other words, I would isolate myself from the world. I, I was, I was, uh, uh, Taken back by one lady's response, she said, I would move into a cabin way out in the woods, and I would become the old woman that children avoid. <laughs> but, 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 but listen for a second. Isn't that interesting that when we begin to talk about the opportunity to do whatever it is we want to do, then what is really in our heart comes out? Can I tell you, Jesus lived his dream life. And he did exactly what he wanted to do. And you know what Jesus wanted to do? He wanted, it was his heart and his dream and his ambition to show the world the Father's love. That's what he wanted more than he wanted anything else. And that's exactly what he did when he died on the cross. That's what 1 John three sixteen is. This is how we know what love is, is that Jesus acted this way toward us. Boy, when we compare our dreams to his dreams... We have a long way to go in love, don't we? See, love is an action, so if you're going to grow in love, you're going to have to do something. Love's not just going to come land on you. It's not just going to happen to you. You actually have to engage. So let me give you four ways this morning. If you're taking notes, let me give you four ways. How do you grow love in your life? Number one, receive God's love. Now, this one might seem like, oh, yeah, well we already know that. That's a no-brainer. Is it? Because I honestly think this might be the one that we struggle with the most. As it turns out, receiving is a more difficult thing than it sounds like. Several years ago, I was uh, with a team doing an outreach, and we were sitting at a busy four-way stop, and we were giving out bottled water just, just for free, and we had a little card attached to it that said, we wanted to give you this gift to show you God's love in a practical way. And so we were just handing them out as people would go by, cold water on a hot day. You know, if you offer a cup of cold water in my name, Jesus said, so we took him literally. We went and did it, and we're handing it out. And it's so funny, the people that come by, they say, yeah, how much? Uh, we, we, don't, we don't want anything, we're just giving away. Really? What, what are you raising money for? Nothing? <laughs> sure? Yes, just, just take it. <laughs> we just want to show you God's love. Here, just take it. God loves you. That's what we want you to know. That's it. Just take it, cold water, you know, it's good. And so one lady, uh, she, she came up and she and I were talking and she said, you know, how much is it? And I said, it's nothing. She goes, well, I got to pay you something. What is it? I said, no, no, listen, we don't even have a way to take money. We don't, we're not here to take anything. We just want to give this to you. We want to show you God loves you. She couldn't, she couldn't believe me. She, could not, she goes, no, 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 I got to give you something. I said, no, I don't want anything. She rolled the window up to about two inches from the top and, and she jammed dollar bills out it, and then drove off. Gone. She gone. I think we all struggle with receiving in some way or another. Maybe, maybe a way that you struggle is receiving compliments. You just don't know exactly what to do with yourself when somebody's complimenting you. Or a, a, a random gift. Somebody gives you an unexpected gift and you go, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't bring anything. I didn't know we were doing that. Or somebody reaches out to hug you, to give you a hug. Or somebody physically helps you, let me get that for you. Or someone honors you, they give you honor. Or they give you congratulations. Why is receiving so difficult for us? Well, well I think in part because it's just very complicated. Because there's a lot more to it than it looks like. I mean, for one, there's the motive. You know, we, we ask, why why is this like the late, why, why are you standing on a corner in the summer heat giving cold bottles of water? Why are you doing that? People just can't. So when somebody gives you something, you have to ask, does this person expect something in return? Why are you doing this? And then there's your own feelings that you battle with. How do I receive something if I feel like I don't deserve it? How do I deal with my feelings of guilt and pride and, you know, false humility? And then there's the issue of true humility (laughs) because it actually takes humility to receive because usually when you receive, someone is giving you something that you can't get for yourself. Or at least they're making your life easier by getting it for you. And so it takes humility to go, you know, well, thank you. And sometimes it's hard to receive because we ask, is this true? Is it what it looks like? Is it a trick? We've all been given something that didn't live up to what it was supposed to be. And I think we all tend to struggle in receiving God's love because it's hard to believe. Why would God love me? What, what is it about my life? What is it about me? I, I, th- I know me well enough. Why would God love me? Why would the God of the whole universe take time to love any single one of us? And then there's the issue of, well, if God did love me, why did this happen, or this happen, or this happen? Why did this tragedy happen? Why did did this loss come in my life? Why did this circumstance come in my life? If God really loved me. So for whatever reason, I think we really struggle to, to, to accept God's love or receive it. It's especially difficult to believe if you've experienced rejection or shame or neglect or abandonment. And sometimes we ask, why would God love me? And one of the greatest struggles is to believe that God really, really loves us and it shows up in our inability to receive. Galatians 2.20, I've read this verse since I was a teenager and and it it feels like to me that I didn't read the last phrase until this week (laughs) because it hit me so hard. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Watch. Watch this. Who loved me? Who loved me and gave himself for me? We know that God loves the whole world. I don't have a problem with that. But God's love is not only global, God's love is personal. He loves you. If you were the only person that ever lived on earth, God would have sent Jesus to die for you. Because he loves you personally. And this is what Paul the apostle was picking up here in Galatians. Who who loved me and died for me. See, you and I can't earn God's love. We can't deserve God's love. We can only receive God's love. So, how do you know if you're doing a good job receiving God's love how do you how do you how do you know you're doing it how do you know it's happening if it's that important let me give you one way that I found in my life and I think it's true for all of us when you treat yourself the way God would treat you you are you are receiving his love so, so when, when you're driven by guilt, or you're driven by fear, or you're driven to to measure up, or you just you just work seven days a week, go 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 go. God would never treat you that way. Maybe it's the way you think about yourself. Maybe your thoughts of fear and anxiety and worry and all of this stuff and what's going to happen and what God would never think about you that way. Maybe it's the way you talk about yourself. You know, I'm, I'm stupid or I can't believe I did that or I'll never do anything right or I can't live up or I can't measure up or I'll never be free of this bondage. Everybody else, God doesn't love me, loves everybody else, doesn't love me. All that kind of negative self-talk, God would never talk about you that way. And so when you act toward yourself and think toward yourself and talk toward yourself the way that God would, you are receiving his love. You are walking in His love for you and receiving His love for you. And receiving His love is the key to the whole thing. You cannot give what you do not have. And the better you receive God's love, the better you're going to be able to give. Let me just tell you when you become convinced in your soul that God loves you and you apply that love to your life, loving other people is easy. You're the hardest person to love. I'm the hardest person to love for me. But when I can get down in my heart, when I can adequately, accurately love myself the way God loves me, man, I'm so convinced of his love, I can give it away and give it away and give it away and give it away. And so can you. So this really, to me, is the key. Number one, receive God's love. Now here's the second one, love God. Give God love, however you want to say it. There's a principle behind these next three points I want to share with you here, but it applies to all of them. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does that mean? It means that your heart and your investment is connected. Your heart will be in what your investment is in. So in other words, if I invest in my relationship with God, my love for God will grow. My heart will move. What this verse does not say is that your investment follows your heart. What it does say is your heart follows your investment. So when I invest my life in something, my love for it will grow. So if practically, if you want your love for God to grow, invest your life in God. So how, how do we do that? Well, when we worship. I mean, when we sing or lift our hands or worship or pray. When, 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 I, when I'm at home or you're at home or somewhere in the car, and we're, we take time to, to spend time with God to pray and worship and sing and think about Him. We're investing ourselves in Him. And when you do that, your love for God's going to grow. When you read your Bible, when you fast, when you gather together with the church like we are this morning, when you serve, In Jesus' name, I guarantee you, when you serve in his name, your love for him will grow because you're serving him. When you give, your heart will move towards your investment and your love for him will grow. When you love what God loves, when you hold God's priorities, when you follow Jesus, what about this, when you resist temptation... When a temptation comes along in your life and you look at it and you say, no, 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 that's not the way that God wants me to go. This is the way God wants me to go, and I'm going to resist that type of life. I'm going to resist that event. I'm going to resist that moment, and I'm going to go this way. You know what's going to happen? Your love for God's going to go up because you're investing yourself in him. 1 John says love for God comes in the form of obeying his commandments. So when you take a step of obedience toward God, when you read the Bible and it says something and then you act on it, your love for God's going to grow. When the Holy Spirit lays an impression on your heart that you know you need to do, when you follow through and do that, your love for God's going to grow because our heart follows our investment. When you stop investing in your relationship with God, it won't be long before your love for God starts to cool off. We see it all the time, and it's like a big surprise. Somebody stops going to church. They stop reading their Bible. They stop praying. They stop serving. They stop giving. They stop worshiping. They stop whatever. They, 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 They shrink their investment toward God. And you know what happens? It's not long before they say, well, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know about all that. I don't know if God's even real anymore. How did that happen? Their heart is shifting to follow what they're investing their life in. And if you if you want to be Jesus strong and you want to grow in love, you've got to grow in love toward God. You've got to invest your life in the things of God. So receive God's love. Love God. Here's the third one. Love people. This is very complicated this morning, isn't it? Love people. Very simple. Mark 10:45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What is, that, what is that verse saying? When God sent his son Jesus Christ to earth, and he wanted to show the whole world that he loved them, how did he decide to do it? He showed his love in action. In other words, what would we if Jesus is the, is the exact representation of the Father, and if Jesus would have come to earth and just let everybody serve him, what picture of God would we have? But Jesus instead, when he came to earth, he said, I didn't come here to be served. I came to serve and to show the love of the Father to the world. So, love people. This could be your friend. It could be your enemy. It could be your spouse, your child, your parent, your neighbor. If you will give love to that person in the form of an action, your love for that person will grow. We see this happen in marriage all the time. You know, you have this couple that's neglected each other for months, maybe years, and then all of a sudden they've decided they've fallen out of love. And and you say, Well, tell me, you know, how that happened. And what they begin to describe for each other is a life of absolute neglect. And they didn't fall out of love, they just stopped loving each other. Remember, love is an action, it's not a feeling. They stop acting in loving ways toward each other, and when you do that, your love will continue to cool off. So they just stop showing it. So maybe, you know, maybe he says, well, I'll tell you what, I told her when I married her I loved her. If anything ever changed, I'll let her know. How many of you think that's going to work? You know why that's not going to work? I'll tell you why it's not going to work. Because you can't give love one time because it will grow cold. It's like a fire. Love is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. So you have to give love, and you have to give it again, and you have to give it again, and you have to give it again, and you have to give it again. again Because every time you give it like a muscle, it if you want to be Jesus strong, you have to give love again and again and again. And the more you give it, the more loving you will become because it will expand your capacity to love. You will grow in love. Now sometimes you talk to the wife and she says, well, I'll show him love when he deserves it. And that's not called love. That's called manipulation. Because remember, love is an action given towards someone without condition. I'm not gonna love you when you do what I want you to do, when you measure up, when you become the person I think you should be. I'm gonna give you this act of love because it's love with no condition and no expectation of return. Can you imagine what a relationship would be like if two people just continued to act toward one another in loving ways with no condition and no prerequisite and no expectation of return? It would be incredible. Every time you show show love in action, you will grow your love for each other. Look, teenagers, (laughs) listen to me for a minute. I promise you, you will never love your parents more than the moment that you do a loving action for them. And then the teenager walks up and goes, I've got the greatest parents that ever lived. And the parents say, we're the same. It's yesterday, you know. It's just that you did something loving toward us, and it changed your feelings and perception toward us when you do it. Parents, there has to be a time you show love to your kids not because it's a reward for something they did right and not because it's an expectation, if I love them like this, they'll behave better. That's not love. Love is I love you because I love you because I love you, and I'm going to show it to you when you're bad, and I'm going to show it to you when you're good. Thank God that's what he did to us. God didn't wait till we got good enough to love us. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's how we know what love is. And the only way we're ever going to be Jesus strong is to grow in love. So how do you grow in love? Let me give you some ways to grow in love, okay? Uh, just, Just a few side thoughts here. Listen deeply. We do not live in a listening culture. We live in a talking culture where people talk and talk and talk and talk radio and they write and they tweet and they message and they notify and they send out and it's, it's all outbound. Gone, 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 gone. Can I tell you, if you want to love someone, one of the most incredible things you can do is sit still, look them in the eye and not be thinking about all the things that you're going to say when they're done talking. If you can quiet the conversation in your mind long enough to say, let me listen to you deeply, Let me try my best to understand where you're coming from and and let me try to put myself in your shoes and let me try to even, I don't know, develop some empathy for what what might be happening in your life. And and rather than than, uh, telling your side of your thing when they're done, maybe what you want to do is ask questions. Well, how did you feel about that? Well, what were you thinking when that happened? What did you do next? I'm saying to you, one of the most loving things you can do in our culture is to listen to someone. Because you don't know how many people have nobody in their life that ever listens to them once. And and that might be part of the reason we're in a mental health crisis. Because people got nobody to talk to. Here's another one. Um, Remember. Remembering. You ever have someone call you or text you or something on your birthday and, uh, and you go, oh, how, yeah, you remember my birthday. How did you remember my birthday? Isn't that an act of love? Right? It's an action towards someone. Well, let me give you another example to show you how it doesn't work uh, when you look at your wife and say, now, why are you mad at me? And she says, because our anniversary was last week. And you didn't remember. Right remembering is an act of love, acts of kindness. I think when you pray for someone, it's an act of love. When, when somebody says, hey, I've been praying for you. Really? You would take some of your own time and your own prayer life, and you would point it toward me and you would spend it on me. That's an act of love. Or if somebody says, hey, can I, can I pray with you about that right now? I think that's an act of love. I think including people is an act of love. We live in a very exclusive society. So at the dinner table, in a group, in an environment, in a team, in a moment, in a family gathering, when you look around and make sure no one's... It, God, doesn't, God so loved the world, the whole world. So God didn't exclude anybody. And so we, we, to be loving like Him, we need to include So when you look around and include people, it's an act of love. So we need to receive God's love. We need to love God, love people. Here's the last one. Love people outside the church. Matthew 23, 37 says, this is Jesus talking. He was talking to a city. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are not willing. Jesus had a strong desire to reach his city. He loved Jerusalem, and he wanted Jerusalem to know the Father's love, and he wanted Jerusalem to come to the Father. And do you know so much so, do you know the number one complaint about Jesus' life when he was on earth is that he hung out with people outside the church too much? Like the religious people are like, hey, you're you're neglecting us, you're ignoring us. Why are you always hanging out with people who don't even who don't even acknowledge God? So much so that he got a title called the Friend of Sinners. Isn't that terrible? Friend of sinners, you terrible person, Jesus. Friend of sinners. I believe God is growing our love for this community. I believe one of the things the Holy Spirit is doing in this church right now is he's growing our love for this community. For a long, long time, we we have shown God's love to the world. And now God is calling us to love Shelby County just as much. But why? Why would God do that? Well, first off, is God doing that? If he's doing that, either we follow him or we don't. But if he is doing it, why is he doing it? Here's why. Because Shelby County is moving away from God. And if Jesus were here, he would be looking over this city the same way that he did Jerusalem and saying, how often I've wanted you to come to me. How often I've wanted you to come to the Father, but you wouldn't come. And he would be just as heartbroken And and just as loving to this city. So I don't know if it's still true. I do know at one time Shelby County had the highest divorce rate in the state of Alabama. Uh, You you may know this. uh, Interstate 20 coming out of Birmingham is the largest sex trafficking highway in America. So, So we got plenty of problems. Shelby County is in an opioid crisis. Every every time I see our mayor in Alabaster, she she can only talk about one thing. She talks about the drug crisis, the drug crisis, the drug crisis, the drug crisis. We are drowning in a drug crisis in our community. And the leaders know it. And I thank God for leaders who will say, let's do something about it. The mental health crisis is not unique to Shelby County. I don't think. I think it's probably American at this point. In the Bible Belt, people believe they have to get their life in order before they come to church. Right? That's one of the downsides of living in a Christianized community. I remember sitting in a parking lot with a guy one night inviting him to church. He goes, oh man, he said, I, I, I can't come to church. If I came to church, the roof would probably fall in. And I wish I would have said, I think you're overestimating yourself. And I think you're underestimating God's love for you. God loves you, man. You're not going to throw the roof in. That doesn't mean any of that. We got people floating around in our county with a church church wound been hurt somewhere, or by a family member who said they were a Christian and wounded them. I I think that in our community, people outside the church confuse being a good person and doing good things with being in right relationship with God. I think there's confusion. I'm a good person. Why why, why do I need God? Why do I need church? I'm a good person. Isn't that the point? And and the one that always grabs my heart, I I want to put it on the screen so you can see it, on any given weekend, only 16.8% of Shelby County will attend a church service. That's the lowest in the state of Alabama. I, just, I want you to leave it up there. I just want you to look at it. I, I personally looked at the attendance rate of every county in the state of Alabama, and I counted all of them myself, and I can tell you it is by far the lowest. I think Jefferson County is in the 40s. I think 40-something percent in Jefferson County. So we're not talking about 16 and everybody else is 18 or 19 or 20. So you tell me, is Shelby County moving closer to God or moving further away from God? Why would God be shifting our heart to show the Father's love to this community? Because he's weeping over it and he's saying, how often I've called you to come to me, but you will not come. And so we got to go. We got to go and we got to show the father's love. So so I gave you this little invitation a few minutes ago. In 2 weeks we're having a picnic. Why why do we do stuff like this? Do we do it because we're praying to God that finally the heat will go away and it'll be nice to have an outdoor picnic? No. Do we do it because it's easy to compress our two services into one service and reschedule everything for the day? No, it's not easy. Why do we do it? We do it because it's one of the ways that we can stretch our arms out to this county that's fallen away from God and say... There is a God who loves you, and we want to show you. Come come to the picnic. We'll give you a free lunch. We, we, want, we want to get to know you. We want to know your name. We want to know about you. It is an open-hearted invitation from the Father to show the love of the Father to this community. That's why we do it. Why else would we do it? And so I want to encourage you. You want to be Jesus strong? you got to become a friend of sinners. You'd never be Jesus strong if you're all your friends are Christian. That's not how he did it. The fullness of God rested in Jesus Christ. And Jesus was a friend of sinners. And so somehow we've got to be able to take on that mantle. I was so encouraged a couple weeks ago. A couple in our church told me this story just coincidentally. Coincidentally. And they said, we have a friend who's an atheist. I didn't, I've known him for several years. I didn't know this. So we have a friend who's an atheist. And um, every meaningful relationship that he's ever had, uh, the, the people have abandoned him. And as a result, he's become hard-hearted and he's become an atheist. He's decided there's no God. There can't be a God. And so they said, we travel out of town to another local town to see him regularly and spend time with him and they said we cannot leave him because if we leave him he's going to look at us and say see I knew Christianity wasn't real and I knew God wasn't real and I knew they weren't any different than anybody else that's ever been in my life but the only way to break that belief system also you're not going to intellectually convince somebody give them a fact and they go oh well you know in that case I never saw that coming I guess there is a God They're not going to do that. But when a person experiences the love of God, that's what will melt a heart. That's what will change a life. And so I was so encouraged to hear how on mission they were trying to not just say, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, but to show it by saying, hey, we're going to meet. We're going to meet this month. We're going to meet this week. We're going to hang out again because we're not going to leave you. You know why? Because God won't leave us. As long as God won't leave us, we can't leave you. God's love is the cure. Jesus died on the cross and took the greatest power in existence and pressed it on the brokenness of the world. And his love will absolutely heal your soul and set your mind at peace. His love heals rejection. It heals, it comforts fear. It destroys bondage. It opens eyes. I wish there was some way I could convince you of it, but I can't. You have to experience it for yourself. That's the only way you can ever know. Paul the apostle Actually, one chapter before Ephesians 4 where we've been reading actually prayed a prayer over the Ephesian church, and the prayer had everything to do with the love of God. I just want to read part of it this morning. Listen, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray, here's this prayer, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. For what? Why does he want it to have power? Together with all the Lord's people to grasp How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure. Do you see it? Do you see it? Of all the what? Fullness of God. Fullness of God. Knowing the love of God is the key to having the fullness of God in your life. You cannot be Jesus strong unless you are strong in love. So this morning, where, where do you need God's love? We talked about four things, and I just want to put them up so you can see them. Are you struggling today receiving God's love? Man, I, I've struggled throughout my life with that one. Maybe some of you have too. You struggle in loving God, and loving people, and loving people outside the church? Where do you need God's love today? Would you stand with me this morning? I want to ask our prayer team if you would come. Every every eye closed, if you just close your eyes and open your hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you would draw every person who needs a touch of your love. I believe that you have come today today to wash away shame and guilt and fear Lord I believe that you've come today to to reveal your love toward us with every eye closed I want to ask you a couple simple questions if you say I'm not even totally sure if I'm a Christian but today God has touched me and I, I want to receive his love. I want to receive his forgiveness and his love. And I want to start a real relationship with Jesus. Today I'm ready. I want to start a real relationship with Jesus. No, nobody looking. Would you just lift your hand so I can see it? I just want to pray for you today. I want to start a real relationship with Jesus. Would you just lift your hand so we can pray for you today? Thank you. Thank you so much. You put it right back down. Somebody else, I want to start today a real relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, I'm I'm not ready to do that, but I really am in a difficult place in my life and I'd like to know, I'd like to ask God to show me his love. I'm I'm not a believer or maybe I'm not sure where I stand with God. But I really would love today if God would show me His love somehow. I'm ready to take that step. Well, if we can pray for you, would you just lift your hand and and let me see it today? I just would like for God to show me His love. It means so much to me. I just want to take that step. Just let me see your hand and I'll I'll pray for you today. And, And maybe you're here and you say, you know... If I'm honest, I am a believer, but I'm struggling. I'm struggling today to receive God's love. And that's where I need God's love in my life, is I need help receiving it. Or maybe you say, I need help in, in loving God. Or maybe it's marriage, or maybe it's parenting, maybe it's family, maybe it's a difficult friend or neighbor. I need help. I need help today today loving that person. I want my love for that person to grow. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I've been praying and inviting and sharing the love of God, reaching out, building a relationship with somebody. I want to invite you to the picnic. And today, man, I, I want to pray for them. So here's what I want to ask you to do. In just a moment, I'm going to begin to pray and as I do, if you need prayer this morning, if you, if you, it's a big step of faith for you to move toward one of our prayer team and say, I need to receive the love of God, but I can tell you that action will set loose God's love in your heart. That simple action, if you need need to receive God's love, you need to grow in God's love in some area. Maybe you lifted your hand and say, I want to start a real relationship today. As I begin to pray, I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to look around and see what anybody else is doing. I just want you to move. We have a prayer team here who can't wait to pray for you. They just want to pray for you and encourage you. So as I begin to pray, if you need prayer, I want you to move right now. Lord, I thank you today for the love of God that has been spread in this room today. I thank you for the revelation of Jesus that we've heard from your word and the revelation of of the Father's love we've received from the Holy Spirit. God, I pray today that you you would drive your love inside our heart. You would drive your love deep inside our heart. And Lord, you would minister healing and you would minister love. And you'd minister peace and grace, we receive these things from you today. As the worship team begins to sing, if you need prayer, would you come? Would you come and let us pray for you? To me. Be another in the waters, Holding back the seas. Should I ever need power lives in me to visit another in the fire if you need prayer, coming another friend next to Receive me God's love. Grow in God's in love in the waters holding back the sea. Should I ever need? Before we leave this morning I, I want to—I want us all to pray and I want to ask if you'll take that invitation that we gave you it should be in the seat somewhere close to you if you'll take it and just hold it up and I want us to pray a prayer of agreement together that God is going to use this church to reveal his love Shelby County Lord today we pray that you'd let a revelation of the love of God come into this county Lord, a a deeper revelation, a greater understanding of the love of God that would overcome religious barriers and hindrances and bad experiences. But Lord, we pray today that you would break the hindrances that hold your love back. And God, I pray that you'd use each one of us that's holding this up, that we would become the invitation, that we would become the missionary, that we would become the inviter. And God, I pray as we share a message of your love during our picnic that many people would be touched by the love of God and come to know you. So, Lord, we pray over this community that there'd be a revelation of God on Monday and Tuesday and at work, at the ballpark, in our homes, and our neighborhoods. Lord, that you would just lay on our heart. If God's already put somebody on your heart, would you just begin to intercede for them? Lord, we pray that you would open doors. We pray that you'd open opportunities of conversation and invitation and prayer and ministry. Lord, we pray that you'd open up opportunities that we might even share what you've done in our life. God, we pray for open doors. We pray for divine appointments. Lord, we pray for change to come. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Have a great day.